Hey everyone, on today's episode you may hear me and Lexi talking about uh, pharmaceutical drugs and uh, some uh, of the more, you know, different kind of drugs, uh, including alcohol. Um, so please understand that everyone's body is different, everyone's body reacts to things differently, and what we say today is not an endorsement of any kind for any of these drugs. So uh, if you see or hear one that uh, that sounds maybe like it could work for you or anything like that, don't just, you know, go blindly take it. Get with your doctor, discuss your options, and uh, hopefully you can find something that works for you. My name is Stephen Blacksmith, and I am a psychopath. As a kid, I always wondered why I didn't laugh at the same things people laughed at or, or why I never felt bad when a family member died. There was this distance I put between myself and my friends and family I, I couldn't really connect on any sort of emotional level. And I lived that way for 20-some years before I finally figured out what was so different about me. With the help of therapists, a neuropsychologist, and just looking back at my own history, I discovered that I had psychopathy. It was a liberating experience. As I delved deeper into what it meant to be a psychopath, I embraced this darker side of me. I set out to talk with people about why they are the way they are, and just how much of our lives are ruled and molded by emotion and empathy. I realized that I could look at things without the hindrance of blind emotion. This thing, this psychopathy, isn't a burden to be hidden. This is a tool to be used to benefit my life. This is a dangerous weapon to combat oppression and fight neurotypical human failings. This is what makes the protector, and what makes the outlaw. This is that sexy kind of crazy. How's it going? Hey. Hello, how are you? Good. 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 A little tired. You you just got off work. You're tired too? A little, little tired. Long, yeah. Long stressful day. Do you drink tea that is caffeinated when you're at work? Sometimes. It depends. Yeah. What time of day. I wish I had today. I drank all uh, all herbal tea today. Ew. Which was a big mistake. That's gross. What, like yeah. saffron? No, or rosemary? Expensive. Tea? <laughs> saffron <laughs> I don't know. tea would be very expensive. No, I don't know anything about tea. Chamomile, and peppermint, and all the basic ones. Oh, good. Yeah, lavender. All the ones that are good for anxiety. Mm, lavender. I gotta <laughs> make some of that right now. I have some tea. Uh, when you're gone, I'll, I'll <laughs> get in bed and curl up with some tea. Go for it. You work in a tea place. I do. Yeah, that I must be it. calming, you know, at the end of the day. Because that's so appropriate, because you gotta find things to calm you down. Yeah. More so than many other retail jobs. It's <laughs> yeah. nice. Anytime I need to feel calm, I just make a cup of tea at work. So. Well, that's good. <laughs> it's nice, but yeah. I, I do a lot of chamomile and lavender and peppermint when I'm anxious. Good yeah. for calming. I stay away from caffeine. Yeah, you good. Definitely stay away from caffeine when you're anxious. <laughs> good, just get a little closer to that mic there. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. Comfortable here and yeah. There you go. Better? Okay. Yeah. I know. Awkward, huh? That's Very, another thing I'm that's like going to give you anxiety. Like, my nose is almost touching the mic. Oh, good. It's fine. It's very personal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
You are named something. Oh, hi. My name is... <laughs> my real name is Alexis Estrada, but mm-hmm. um, on a lot of this stuff I act in, I go by Lexi Lou. It's also my Facebook name. What was your name before that? Alexis Torres. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I remember. Yeah. Because you I, took Riego's name. I did. I got married and changed my name, and that was a lot of stress in itself. Yeah? It took me... Over nine months to get the name changed on my license. Why? I had to prove that I was existed, that I was born. So I had to get my social, my mm-hmm. uh, birth certificate, like a bunch of different proofs of ID. And we had just moved. So like we had to get new, uh, new address things. Ugh. And then it was just such a hassle. And then the first time it was supposed to be sent to me in the mail, it got lost. And I called and they're like, that sucks. Come get a new one. It's free, but it's will have to sit the DMV for Sucks four hours. to be you, dude. So, yeah. By the end of it, I got it, and I had my last name on it, and it was great, and it only took almost a year. That's pretty hilarious. Yeah, it was awesome. It was totally worth it to change a couple <laughs> of letters on my ID. Right? Because, like, just the, the, the cliche I always see in, like, TV and movies is, like, you go in and you drop down 20 bucks, and it's, like, 10 minutes you sign a form and your name's changed. It's not like nope. that. Oh. Nope. I had to prove to many, many people that I was a real person. <clears throat> That's so weird. It was very frustrating. Now, I know why people kind of hate the MVD. I didn't get the whole, oh, it's the worst until I went through that. I Is that it. just your license or can you also do the name change at the MVD? Um, just the license. I had to go to the Social Security office to change my social. Oh, God. Social Security office? That one was actually easier than the MVD. Oh, really? Yeah, that one only took a full day. So nothing makes any sense in so this topsy-turvy world. It's all bureaucracy. <laughs> <laughs> bureaucracy never makes sense. Well, the only thing that makes sense is you guarantee that it's going to be frustrating. Exactly. I think. And that's a good thing. I mean, what we're talking about today is anxiety, depression, panic disorders. And I'm going to mm. talk about that. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that all these things affected everyone, yeah. you know. Even psychopaths. Even psychopaths. As we're going to bring up. <laughs> I'd love to talk more about that. Yeah, sure. I don't know as much about that. <laughs> we can definitely talk more about that. But give sure. me a background on you. Who are you? What do you want? Um, I How'd want you get into my house? <laughs> I want a lot of things. <laughs> and I simply knocked on the door. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the solution to a lot of things in life. It's, it's knocking on knock the door. Knock on the door. See who answers. Mm. Um, don't don't try that if you have a crush mm. on someone. Don't, don't just knock on their door. <laughs> That might not end well. Or it might end great. It might. You never know. More than likely, they'll call the cops, but you never know. Mm. The point is always knock on doors. Yeah. But um, I am Lexi, and I guess since we're talking about anxiety, I'll talk about that. Sure. So well, I first, am... what do you do? You work oh, at a tea yeah. shop. <laughs> so What's your life shop? about? Um, I enjoy history. I studied English and history at UNM graduated from that last year um, I enjoy theater we just wrapped up a show Steve and I uh, where we both wrote and directed plays so I enjoy talk about anxiety yeah so we'll talk about channeling anxiety in a while which is where <laughs> theater comes in yeah um, I am I love to read I like the office I identify a lot with Michael Scott if that gives mm-hmm. you any kind of idea who I am <laughs> um, <laughs> I really do feel for him. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I don't. I love dogs. I think oh. dogs are great. Yeah, they're um, good. Cats are great. I'm an animal lover. Yeah, if I think I cats are okay. <laughs> if I weren't doing <laughs> the whole history thing, I'd go back to school and do biology. I think I'd love to be a. So you get to dissect a lot of cats, or maybe more like help animals. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did want to be a veterinarian all my life, but my family discouraged <clears throat> it because they told me I'd have to operate on animals, and that made me very sad as a kid. Why would you tell that to a kid? So I didn't pursue it. Oh, that's lame. Yeah. you help animals. Exactly. And then yeah. when I was older and I like looked into it, I was like, oh shit, I could just be a zoologist and never have to dissect anything. Oh, yeah. Why the fuck did my parents convince me that it was a terrible career choice? I could have been <laughs> making money right now. Yeah, exactly. Instead, yeah. Instead, I was like, I'm going to be a writer. And that's working out exactly how you think. <laughs> well, I mean, you still get to play with animals. Yeah. Right. Sometimes. My own animals. You have dogs? I have dogs. Yeah. I have a baby German Shepherd. She got fixed today. So Aww. She's at home. What was wrong up. with her? Um, she no, had to get snipped. <laughs> 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 she had a lot. She had. It's so funny that that's called fixed. Right? I mean, there's nothing really I biologically mean, wrong with them. They're getting altered, I guess is yeah, better. Yeah, altered. They're getting well, kind modified. Of, well, I mean, it's really butchered. Because if we do that to it people, is. that's a crime against humanity. You know, uh, in many countries they do but that, like female circumcision. circumcision and well, yeah, circumcision, barbaric. I think, is, yeah, barbaric, kind of too. Up. Yeah, that's not yeah. really the parent's choice. That's, that should be your choice. When you're, <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're an adult. Yeah, right? It's a weird thing for your parents to be like, let's just cut it off. Yeah, well, Gross. you know, the Bible <laughs> said so. The Bible says a lot of things, though. Yeah. I don't think we should follow all of them. Are you wearing Maybe. pants made of two different fabrics? <laughs> I'm not. Okay, you're not going to hell then. I'm not that blasphemous. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I only believe that gays should marry and we should all be equal, but I don't wear pants with two different fabrics. That's radical. That's too far. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have a taste in fashion, okay. <laughs> okay. I don't do velvet and suede on the same day. No? It's all suede Is that a no-no? Oh, okay. I don't know. I just feel like it's wrong. Hmm. Maybe I should look into it. I feel like it's a fashion no-no. I think you have some prejudices you need to look into. <laughs> I just have a weird relationship with the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is what it comes down to. So, yeah. Um, I was raised very religious, and I feel like a lot of that plays into my feelings of guilt and anxiety now. Good. Yeah, since we're talking about religion. Um, I was raised here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, by very... Um, very right-leaning, conservative, religious parents. Um, and they always kind of taught me the basics of, like, how to be a good person. Mm -hmm. But a lot of my life growing up as a kid was through the lens of, like, that. So, um, And I grew up very Catholic as well. Part of my family was very, like, old-school, like, Mexican Catholic. So, um, yeah. I... I felt a lot of guilt over things that you shouldn't really feel guilt over. And I always had this sense of like, anytime I felt bad about myself or I just had all these mental issues, it was a sign of weakness. And that's kind of this, uh, this mentality that a lot of people in my family and a lot of older people, a lot of conservative people seem to have is that, um, having mental health issues or being sad or being scared or being angry are all signs of weakness and somehow weakness is part of your moral character so i mm -hmm. felt like i was morally corrupt and reprehensible as a child because i felt yeah. anxious or because i thought that i liked girls all these normal things that kids go through it was like amped up to 10 because i had anxiety and then put under a microscope because everything was looked at through what would god say as he's watching you shower 
Everything was like, <laughs> God is watching Missed you. a spot. Yeah, so imagine <laughs> having anxiety and then being told that a guy in the sky is fucking watching every movie <laughs> make and judging whether or not it's going to go to hell or not. So, like, yeah, it's a lot on a kid's shoulder. That's true. So <laughs> To be fair, I think St. Peter judges that. Does he? I, I think Jesus has more important things to do. That's yeah. true, that's true. Jesus is being a good person. Yeah, he's just hanging out. All the out. others in the canon, they're kind of assholes. <laughs> no, so that, that's kind of, that's a good basis i think to really understand a yeah. lot of my issues um it's really hard to deal with anxiety or just mental issues in general and you don't have a strong support network and your support network starts with your family so mm-hmm. it's very hard for people who have a lot of mental health issues to get help when their own family doesn't really validate them or acknowledge what they have is real or just makes them feel like they're going to go to hell like, sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, it sucks. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Do you remember, like, the very first time you felt really anxious? Maybe, like, a panic attack or something um, big like that? No, I don't remember the first time. I never really knew that the things I felt were odd until much older. Until sure. I, like, learned this is anxiety and this is what it looks like. Before that, I just thought, like, oh, you're overdramatic. That's what my family told me. Or you're over-emotional. Or you have too many feelings, which is a terrible thing to tell a child. Never tell a kid they have too (laughs) many feelings. It's good to have feelings. You shouldn't shove those away. You see Inside Out, everyone. Yeah. I love that movie. It's a good movie. It is. Yeah, Um, but I I did the same thing. Like, I didn't know, and my family was always telling my sister that. You know, constantly, you have too many feelings, you're being overdramatic and all that stuff. Mm. Just because we didn't feel the same things and, you know, I'm following the example that my dad's leaving, that my mom's leaving. And we're just kind of repeating that, just kind of barking that at her like, oh, well, mom said you had too many feelings. So shut up, you know, just quit it. (laughs) It's really terrible. Yeah. It's really, um, it's really a bigger issue than people acknowledge Mm-hmm. You know, it's everybody. Everybody is just kind of has that idea in their head of what mental health is. And yeah. you have too many feelings. So I think it's not just you and your family or me and my family. It's a bigger issue that a lot of people don't want to talk about because it's super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be. It's a very widespread issue, too. Yeah, it's. I can name a couple of people off the top of my head immediately who have the same issues as me and who I've walked through panic attacks and anxiety attacks mm-hmm. and who have thought oh i'm just so crazy and you're not crazy you just have anxiety you just need more serotonin in your brain like yeah sure. once you talk about it and normalize it you realize oh shit i can just function and have this <laughs> thing and i'm not a social pariah like mm-hmm. sometimes i get nervous and i need to cancel plans and that happens yeah like it's it's just something that you have to learn to live with and acknowledge mm-hmm. and then once you do life becomes not more easier but more manageable exactly more manageable. yeah so so your sister has anxiety yeah she does uh, there was like a, a, a couple years where we were like feeding each other mm. where it's like uh, okay I'm not having a panic attack right now so um, uh, let me just stay with your kids while you hang out and lie down and then you know it would be the opposite you know okay I need to go to the store because you need to hang out with the kids or we had to fight through it and just kind mm-hmm. of like um it, it wasn't so much like we were helping each other in the end it was almost like we were enabling each other yeah. as well so it was very odd um yeah but she had it a, a, 
I don't know, worse than I did. I think we had it kind of the same. Uh, we had panic disorder. Very odd. Yeah. So it was, um, I mean, she had reasons for being anxious. I mean, she had two kids and it was yeah. her husband was over in Kuwait. So it was really tough. Uh, me, I didn't, because, you know, I have psychopathy. I didn't have any reason to be anxious. It was just kind of happening and very odd. Like I saw tons of therapists and all that stuff to get uh, through it to try and figure out what the cause was. And it actually turns out that it just happens to people with psychopathy in their mid-20s. It's just something that happens to a lot of them. It just happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God, it just happens. And you don't have to have a tragic backstory. It, that's yeah. something I think that people are really bad about is when I tell people the whole growing up Catholic guilt thing, I feel like a lot of people think, oh, I grew up normal, whatever that means. I mm -hmm. don't have an excuse. And that's not true. Yeah. Like, you know, millionaires probably have anxiety for some reason. Like, Yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's a, a chemical imbalance in the brain. So they I just really, do it. I mean, you, that's why you yeah. see millionaires that seem happy and then they kill themselves or exactly. things like, like that. Look at uh, Anthony Bourdain was kind of a big... Yeah a big deal at least for Rigo and I because he was a big hero of Rigo's we love cooks like cooking yeah. is our not our things we're I'm a terrible cook <laughs> but like we like that kind of stuff so when that happened it was kind of like a jarring shock for him mm -hmm. and dealing with my depression anxiety has been very hard for him and it's been a strain on our marriage He's never had to deal with someone like me, at least not in an empathetic way. <laughs> he's admitted before in the past when friends have told him that he's like, oh, you can deal with it on your own. Just get over it. Make a cup of tea. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't understand all the ugly faces of anxiety until I had a panic attack so bad once he had to almost hold me up to breathe out of the window because I was hyperventilating. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, because I couldn't catch my breath. That's a sign of a panic attack because you yeah. can't breathe. Um, <laughs> and also a sign of a heart attack, which is yeah. like, they're so similar they that it are. just freaks you out so much more. <laughs> Honestly, the first time a friend of mine had a panic attack, what they're describing sounded like a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And part of me was like, you should go to the ER. Yeah. But I told them, just wait. And I got there and we figured it out. And it was like, nope. Just a panic attack that's really severe. Mm -hmm. Good thing you don't waste tons of money at the ER. Yeah. But yeah, I think people don't realize that anxiety can manifest in physical ways. Um, when I have very severe anxiety, like severe, severe, like head out the window anxiety, I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. um, and my heart is racing and like my limbs are spasming. Um, and all of that is actual physical phenomena that people will experience when they're having an anxiety attack it's a fight-or-flight response so um mm -hmm. anxiety usually comes from a lack of chemicals in your brain like serotonin for me i actually was taking serotonin uptake something something drugs at one point mm -hmm. um so yeah it's definitely a chemical imbalance that can to an extent be fixed by drugs not sure. fully but yeah anyways um part of having a chemical imbalance in your brain is that you know your body reacts to that physically and mm -hmm. you get cold sweats sometimes or you feel really dizzy or nauseous uh when i tell my friends i have the anxiety shits they know what i'm talking about because it upsets your <laughs> digestive system to yeah. the point that you yeah. have anxiety shits and you know what it's like because you're like yep another sign of a it. heart attack another sign <laughs> of a heart attack or um, a fart attack a yeah, fart from attack. parks and rec yeah you're jerry gary finger <laughs> that you have a fart attack 
No, but uh, indigestion, gas, nausea, all the weird things with your bowels that you get when you're nervous, like mm-hmm. butterflies, times 10. That you just happens feel like you're in love. <laughs> you just feel like you're dying, too. Yeah, maybe not love. <laughs> maybe like... You know, the butterflies <laughs> in your stomach. How I imagine falling out of love would feel. So the opposite oh, yeah? of good butterflies. It's like evil oh. moths in your stomach. I don't know what that's uh, like. I get trembly. Me, personally, I get very trembly when I'm feeling very anxious. Yeah. Um, very tense and a lot of anxious people tend to carry tension in their shoulders in their neck in their jaw because it's a lot of clenching of your muscles because you're just keeping everything in oh yeah so a lot of it's very physical and i think people underestimate that and they don't account for that when they're talking about self-care i know self-care is like the big thing now where you put on a face mask and take a bubble bath oh is that what self-care I guess, is apparently according to facebook self-care is wearing a face mask and getting into a bubble bath and telling all your friends fuck you for the night Oh, I thought it was just masturbating to Eastern music. That too. Oh, okay. That's that's That's... also (laughs) self-care. Guys, self-care, I guess. No, but I feel like for people, at least with depression and anxiety, it's so easy to forget that feeding yourself at least three times a day is Mm -hmm. self-care. And it sounds really dumb, but putting a note in your phone, hey, feed yourself today is a big part of self-care and getting in the shower. Um... Just little small things, remembering to drink enough water. Mm-hmm. Those are things that I feel like, at least myself personally, when I'm having a bad day and feeling anxious, I'll forget. Yeah. I'll dehydrate myself. I'll not eat because I'm like, oh, I don't have time. And I'll just not eat for the whole day. Like uh, today, we got to bring me a grilled cheese because I just <laughs> forgot to eat. So, um, yeah, and that's a good point. Those I, are yeah, triggers I too. When I, yeah, when I first started getting them. Uh, low blood sugar was yeah. it freaks me out and I got panic attacks from it because I was um, well before that I uh, in my early 20s I didn't have the anxiety but I had something weird that doctors think maybe I have like a severe inner ear infection that went away but uh, it put my inner ear just like through the ringer for two or three years mm. where I constantly felt like I had two or three drinks when I was totally sober. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was very odd. And then it made me not want to eat. And when I did that, I would get like, you know, these low blood sugar uh, kind of attacks where all of a sudden everything would just start spinning and I'd just mm-hmm. be like falling and uh, trigger panic attack. Yep. Yeah. So just things like that or too much blood sugar. Uh, you, you know, you're drinking like a 64 ounce Coke at the movies yeah. and all of a sudden you're fucking think you're having a heart attack. <laughs> it's true. I remember my uh, my junior year of college. I was doing five <gasps> cups of coffee a day and calling that a oh, meal. God. Yeah, I was calling that a meal, and I felt like shit. And then my doctor said to cut out caffeine. Caffeine mm-hmm. is very taxing to the adrenal gland and not good for anxious people because mm-hmm. the adrenal gland is where that fight or flight comes from. So yes, anxious definitely. people. Yep. It's like fight or flight switch is turned on 24-7. <laughs> so, yeah. Shout out to everybody who's anxious. Stop drinking coffee so much and you'll feel better. Well, it works if you constantly wear a beret and write poetry and smoke cigarettes while you're drinking your coffee. Because that's the only way that, that it kind of... to depression more than Oh, maybe. you're right. <laughs> and then you'll write really good poems like Morrissey. Oh, Morrissey. <laughs> is he dead? Did he die? No. Yes. No. I don't Wait. know. Did he? Morrissey's I... immortal. I honestly haven't thought oh. of that. <laughs> I don't know. He's like Bowie. When Bowie died, I was so shook. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, he was this eternal being. 
Yeah, so we. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty mind blowing for me. Yeah. Prince, I wasn't so shocked. I didn't grow up on Prince. I was sad. But oh yeah. He wasn't like my childhood, like Bowie was. No, I think it was a little bit before our time, eighties, all that good stuff. Yeah. Bowie's was only seventies, you know. <laughs> well, Bowie is eternal, though. Prince exactly. was like Prince Mania in the eighties. Exactly. Bowie yeah. is eternal. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Anxiety. So there are different types of anxiety. I forgot to mention that. You talked about panic disorder. That's yeah. just one. Um, I have generalized anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. which is super obnoxious because that basically just means you have the big anxiety. Like, <laughs> surprise, you got the symptoms. Like, yeah. it's, not as, um, it's not as specific as like agoraphobia which is another category which is where you're you don't want to leave your house and you don't like social situations which my grandmother actually has right now right now currently she's had it my whole life my grandmother that lives in las lunas um never leaves her house unless Mm -hmm. she has to so she'll go to walmart at four in the morning to get groceries so she can avoid seeing people yeah in las lunas as if seeing a lot of people in las lunas was (laughs) like a big issue Anyways, weird. That was a small town joke. Um, it's <laughs> tiny. No, but she's terrified to leave the house. So growing up, I always was a homebody, staying with her. We didn't. Oh, she was, she's had it for many years. Yeah, as a child, I didn't think it was weird. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she's old. Grandma's never leave the house. And as I got older, I'm like, that's super weird that you go to Walmart at four in the morning to avoid people. Yeah. And you didn't want to go to Disneyland. Like one family offered to pay for it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Well, it's all, I mean, it's very limiting for her. (laughs) People are, it's not just social interaction. I think people are a tribute to claustrophobia. Oh, yeah. It's not just social interaction. She, I don't think she likes being out of the house. Yeah. Like just out in the open where people (laughs) can see her. No, I used to do that all the time uh, because I was agoraphobic. Really? Yeah, for about a year and a half, two years. Uh, So I had that vertigo thing, right? Mm hmm. And I think this also attributed to me developing panic disorder is it lasted for like two years. And uh, I did everything. Saw neuroscientists. I saw I had CAT scans, all this shit. No one could figure out what was wrong with me because it was probably just an inner ear thing. They can't really deal with that. It's just like, oh, your inner ear is just a little damaged. And uh, that's when I developed this panic disorder when that started to fade because I was just kind of like, no one knows what's wrong with me. And there's just like, am I going to be this way forever? kind of thing and so slowly that panic disorder i was having them every single day and i was like what are my triggers and all this stuff and i'm just starting to think of a thousand different things like too many people stuck in my car Mm -hmm. you know and i slowly began to you know not even be able to drive down the street to yeah i had to stay in my house unless someone else drove and i like pump myself full of anti-anxiety meds uh, it was pretty insane. Yeah, I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I know how she feels. That's, that's hard. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. And it's it's so frustrating to to see your grandma go through that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's strange. And my family, again, doesn't like to talk about this. So nobody acknowledges it. They just say, oh, grandma's a kook and we leave her in the house. When, yeah. I mean, we could have gotten her help this whole time, but grandma's a kook, so whatever. Let's just leave her alone. So it's very frustrating. It's kind of heartbreaking. And she definitely helped raise me. I'm very close with her. Mm -hmm. That's good. It's heartbreaking to not be able to talk about this stuff with her. Um, But that's really interesting. I've 
always been the opposite. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm the flight part of fight or flight. Sure. Um, anytime I feel exceptionally anxious, I'll go for a long walk. Yeah. It's actually how I started to lose weight in high school. I was a very chubby kid. I oh, suffered from good, a lot of yeah. eating issues. <laughs> That's another podcast. Um, no, but I realized like when I was anxious, I'd go for a walk. And sometimes I'd go for miles and miles to the point where I was like exhausted. And I had to call my mom to come pick me up because I walked too far. Well, and, like, yeah. I was too tired to walk home. And she'd get really upset with me. Um, but I, yeah, now I know like if I'm feeling anxious, I'll just go for a walk around the block. I don't like being in the house. I have to go out if I could like go into like the river area, just mm-hmm. anywhere around nature, away yeah. from people. That's, That's cool. It's That's weird. funny that you say that because that also helped me kind of get over my anxiety for the most part. I still have anxiety. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, I would just start walking and just take a backpack of some food and some water and I would walk like 20, 25 miles a day oh, and make cow. a circle. Yeah. I meant like five. <laughs> That's a lot. Oh, I, I'm a distance hiker, That's so I true. love walking. Forgot like, about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I became one, really. Oh, nice. Yeah. I should start that up. But it helped me lose a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I started walking to work a while back and that kind of helped me lose weight and I noticed it helped with my mental clarity. So I definitely think there is some something to be said for staying physical and active when you feel anxious. Mm-hmm. And it really pisses me off when people are like, have you tried exercising for anxiety? Because <laughs> that just seems like such a bullshit band-aid. Yeah. But coming from an anxious person, there is definitely something to be said about staying physical and active while you're feeling like shit. Mm-hmm. And honestly, when I feel like shit is when I want to be the least active. Right. Or like when I'm feeling very depressed, I just want to sit on the couch. Yeah. And that's when I have to force myself to get up and go. Most of the time I don't. But when I do, I feel better. <laughs> well, when you're super anxious, you always feel like you're having a heart attack. Yeah. And it's very incongruous to be like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym, do some cardio. Exactly. And do that. But I, I, I mean, I started working out just a few months ago. Well, I have been working out sporadically the past four years or whatever, ever since my anxiety really subsided. And uh, now I go four times a week and it's like I'm anxious when I'm not at the gym. You know, if I'm just at home now, I'm a fucking workaholic (laughs) and it's insane that I used to have agoraphobia and now I can't be at home for more than a few hours. Like even now we're in my home and we're doing podcasts, but I'm still anxious because I've been at home. You know, even if it's work, it's still causing my anxiety to be here. Really? Yeah. I'd rather be out there doing something productive, uh, not saying that this isn't productive, but it's it's like a weird thing in my head that I can't kind of switch off, you know? Yeah. Like I, I used that. to I used to be stuck here, like watching TV 24 hours a day, <laughs> you know? And um, all of a sudden, now that I have the chance to not, now that I'm not agoraphobic, now I don't have super high anxiety, it's it's so bad to be here. I don't know. It's it's odd to think that. Like, I don't I don't like sitting on the couch and you know watching TV. I love TV, <laughs> but I don't like sitting on my couch. You know, I'd rather that. be at a movie. I think I get a lot of squirrely nervous energy a lot of the time, so I'm <laughs> yeah. like that. I call it squirrely energy. Squirrely. Good. It's it's not like <laughs> productive energy. It's not the kind of energy where I'm like, okay, today I'm gonna conquer this and get so much done and be so productive. Mm-hmm. It's more like this weird, like, twitchy energy where, like, 
I want to be productive, but I'm not going to do much. I just want to be doing something to get rid of this weird, squirrely, jittery, <laughs> like twitchy mess that I am. So sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I get it, and it's very it's, it gets more frustrating when you have this squirrely energy, and you're like, I'm going to do something, and you do something, and you still feel that way. Yeah, because you're like that was a waste of time. So it's just, it's very frustrating to have that like, squirrely energy. <laughs> um, but I think, I, I know what you're talking about, the feeling of like being at home now that you're not agoraphobic. So at least for me and uh, a few other people I've talked to, when you're anxious, one of the few things you can control is your environment. Mm-hmm. So when you have a very messy, dirty environment, it's very stressful because it's just a reminder of like the very messy, dirty head you feel like you have up here. Yeah. Um, so like when I go home and I see dishes in the sink and like we have an ant problem now. Like, oh no. Yeah. Like bad. Like we spray poison every day. I'm pretty sure it's not good for us, but that's how bad <laughs> the ant problem is. Or just like fuck our lungs yeah. and we just spray it. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little bit stressful to come home and see fucking ants all the time and dirty dishes and like our dogs tear up the house. Um, and it's just stressful and it's a reminder that like, hey, your environment's a mess. Your head's a mess. Like Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think I don't get that yeah like me I I don't care what the environment is Uh, Angie will do that she'll get super anxious if everything's a mess and then she'll get angry and not talk to me and just start cleaning and I just can't interrupt her (laughs) me too (laughs) that's where most of my squirrely energy goes good good yeah that's the best way to get rid of squirrely energy is clean a mess yeah Um, not cleaning the mess just makes it so much worse but no, but I get the environment thing. Like sometimes just going from here to Starbucks and like sitting in Starbucks, I'll feel better. Oh, yeah. Just removing myself from here where I feel negative mm-hmm. to a different environment where I can have different thoughts. Yeah. Feels really good in a weird way. See, so. I, I have like if I'm doing something like I'm shooting something on location in a mall that's crowded or something like that that's fine by me because i'm working yeah uh but if angie and i go out to like uh flying star or something to get lunch and there's a bunch of people there that's extreme claustrophobia for Mm. me and that's what spikes my anxiety uh it's odd to think like that i can not see the people when i'm doing work but when i'm just hanging out trying to eat lunch it's they're overbearing it makes sense though Mm -hmm. It, it makes sense i'm the same way at work i go from feeling horrible in the car to clocking in and being perfect yeah having a great time and the customers love me and then i clock out and i go home and feel shitty again (laughs) and like the same customer who saw me at work would see me outside and be like what's wrong with her (laughs) and i think don't talk to her (laughs) i think a big part of that is disassociation at least for me it's removing yourself from this and being like okay different me different situation and you just kind of put that on the back burner wow I don't know. I feel that's like- funny that you say disassociation because <laughs> i don't know if it's just because of my brain um but i have an extreme kind of uh uh what is it symptom i don't know there's people upstairs oh, creaking um i have this kind of extreme symptom when my anxiety gets super crazy where i dissociate completely from my environment so for like an hour or two, I'll just be sitting in my apartment and I'll be like, uh, I'm sorry, where am I? Who are, who are you? You're my fiance. What's going on? Where's this oh, cat wow. come from? <laughs> yeah. And it's really strange and it's been happening to me for like six years or something like that. Intense. Yeah. But anxiety, it's funny cause anxiety, uh, there's no like set symptom list 
it can manifest in so many ways. Honestly. Yeah. Like I'll get a, a really bad pain in my upper right shoulder when I'm super anxious. Mm-hmm. As like, okay, well, that's weird. But <laughs> uh, you can't, I mean, it's really hard for a doctor to not diagnose that as something else because when really? i went in yeah because what are they oh your arm hurts you must be anxious exactly like. when i would go into uh a, see a doctor and i had like a really weird pain or something like that uh i made sure not to say oh i have a panic disorder because all of a sudden that's like a catch-all like oh you know what anxiety manifests in a lot of different ways in a lot of different people so mm-hmm. it's probably just that go home and you know don't worry about it so mm. I had to hide that. It's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like even doctors don't take you serious. Oh, no. Not at all. Or like when I say, oh, I'm losing sleep <laughs> because of anxiety. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, why don't you try this sleep drug? Right. It's only highly addictive. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> Sign me up. They like, put me, um, how I actually got rid of uh, my panic disorder. Uh, they put me on this medicine called busperone. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know what it was. I think it was anti-epilepsy drug. Yeah. Or because apparently those have been helpful in some cases of anxiety. And uh, it didn't help in the way they intended it. It had a side effect to me. And it was super weird how this happened because I took it. And a doctor's probably listening to this and they're like, oh, you're <laughs> about to die. Uh, <laughs> but this was like four years ago or something like that. You're fine. Four now. or five. Yeah. <laughs> And I would take this medicine and for the, the first hour, right, I would get really tired and my legs would start this racing feeling like up and shooting up and down like electricity oh. through my legs. And uh, I knew that was fucked up. Like, I'm like, that's, that's weird. scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounded scary, but for the first time it was something real, you know. And so I would take this drug and I would feel really weird about an hour before I went to work. And I would know that those feelings, uh, that any time I felt anxious, any of those weird symptoms, I could blame on this drug. And it was a very (laughs) unhealthy thing to do. I did that too. (laughs) Did you? I called into something and I was like, I want new medication. To be fair, I was having an anxiety attack. So Mm -hmm. it was related to the medication in a way, but... (laughs) Nobody's going to listen to that. So yeah, I just said, right? I was taking a new medication. It gave me the shits. Because everybody <laughs> cares go. about that. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? But it's like, <laughs> if this medicine is like killing you, you know, is that worth it to kind of throw yourself into those feelings just so you don't feel the other thing? It's... Because that, that medicine, those symptoms were tangible. Like, yeah. I knew the medicine was causing that. I knew nothing else was causing my anxiety. So it's just trading yeah. one problem for another. Yeah, but after after it. 3 months, I quit the medicine and I wasn't anxious anymore. That's Be- yeah. so weird. Because I had to train my brain not to think of those kinds of things hmm. subconsciously because I was just so and I was like if I'm dependent on this medicine, you know, I just get that out of my system. Yeah. And I don't have anxiety anymore. And I mean, I still have like very general anxiety. But I haven't had a panic attack in, like, a year. Good. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Although, for, like, two years after that, I would get these insane bouts of tiredness for, like, an hour. And I just had to fight through it. And I'd get them at work sometimes where it's just, like, I can't keep my eyes open. Like, I'm going to fall asleep standing up. Yeah. 
I thought that was just like a 20-year-old thing. <laughs> like where you're literally at the counter standing up like your eyelids are closing. Yeah, I would get like eight hours of sleep and then yep. I'd go into work and like four hours in, like I'd get these like weird bursts. Huh. And because uh, it was the same thing I got when I was taking the medication. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just a lingering after effect. But, you know, I just, yeah, I wasn't uh, dying. Yeah, because I thought good. for a second I was having um, petite seizures. Oh, shit. And so I got an EEG, and uh, the doctor said I wasn't. So that was good. That's and good. Uh, <laughs> they just stopped. Wow. So eventually. you don't do that medication at all anymore? No, no. Because I had that plan, and it was a very unhealthy thing to do. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to try this. I know the meds are fucking me up, but I, I can hold on to those feelings, and maybe that can cure my anxiety. Mm. And for the most part, it worked, you know? Uh, don't know if I'll die an extra ten, 10 years early, but <laughs> oh, no. who knows? Who knows? Yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I feel a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, we'll see. We'll see what that did to my body down the road. Right. Um, so what about yeah. yourself? Like, I, uh, you, are you, um, are you a worrier? Oh, like, yeah. What do you think your roots of your anxiety are? Uh, so much. So, so <laughs> much. Um, I'm definitely a worrier. Um, since we were talking about drugs, I uh, I feel it's worth mentioning I've been on birth control since I was in 10th grade. Um, high school is right around the time where I started thinking maybe there really was something wrong with me. Uh, I mean, everybody thinks that in high school, but no, that's when I really, really like started thinking, hey, it's not normal to have thoughts of suicide all the time because I did, in middle school, I did have thoughts of suicide fairly often mm-hmm. and I thought that was just a normal morbid thing kids think about because I, I was kind of into death as a kid like I read creepy books and collected creepy little skulls and yeah. like you know the weird kid like starter pack but I also did think about suicide a lot and I thought that was kind of just like a normal thing and then I started making more friends as I got older and then by freshman year of high school I started thinking oh shit shit like the horrible feelings I feel aren't normal and these (laughs) thoughts I have aren't healthy like no teenager should be thinking okay so if I kill myself today then this is what's gonna happen you know what I mean like it's not something that anybody really thinks about like a healthy person Mm -hmm. so that's when I started talking to my mom and she was worried and she was convinced I had to do with puberty because I also had really horribly horribly intense periods to the point where I would miss a week of school Wow. And just be yeah. in bed sick. And as my mom likes to remind me, I was a horrible bitch too. Apparently, <laughs> she loves to bring that up. So we started me on birth control. Um, the horrible, horrible, debilitating period <clears throat> stopped. I apparently stopped acting like a bitch and became a much more enjoyable person. Mm-hmm. And I started making friends. And I noticed um, a lot of my like really... What's the word? A lot of my really deeply rooted like scary intense thoughts were still there but like the surface level was much more clear and I felt a little better mm-hmm. and I think a big part of that was because I was on birth control I was on these pills that messed with my hormones you know sure they changed my estrogen levels and they changed all the chemicals in my body so it definitely I definitely felt a difference and I recently got off of it I've been on it since 2010 so it was eight years I've been on it eight years and earlier this year I got off of it um, because I have to go to a doctor to get it taken care of. Um, and mm-hmm. I've noticed a little bit of a difference. I've noticed more mood swings that I'm not used to. And I started taking citralopram, which is um, 
It's supposed to be an antidepressant, but my doctor described it for anti-anxiety. So it's kind of just an anti-everything yeah. pill, anti-feel-sad pill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed that helped a lot. Um, so it was a serotonin reuptake. I wrote it down because I forgot what it was called. <laughs> Sorry. I really want to remember because there's a lot of different drugs and doctors try to throw a lot of drugs at you. So you should know what they're they throwing do. at you. It's called SSRI, Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. So basically, it just restores the balance of serotonin in your brain. Um, Not some, bad. They put me on yeah. one of those. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like I had a weird reaction and I felt like all of my teeth were going to like being pulled out of my head. Wow. It was awful. What was that? Uh, it was um just uh, so like Paxil weird. or some shit. Huh. Yeah. I just took the citralopram, the like off brand. What's the real name? Selexa. Selexa is the name brand. But I took a very, very low dose of citalopram, citalopram, whatever. Um, And after a while, I did notice a difference. I was also off the birth control, so I was getting used to that. So it was a very weird couple of weeks or months for me. Yeah. Um, But I definitely noticed like at work, I suddenly became very focused on one thing and one thing only um and it was kind of weird the first few nights that i closed i realized i had to like redo a lot of things because i forgot to do a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. and it's because i've always been used to like having a million things on my mind so i can remember to do this this that this and that Mm -hmm. but now with this new drug like i didn't have anxiety of brain i didn't have a million things on my mind and i couldn't i couldn't have all these things on my mind i could literally only focus on one thing like I was counting money in the register and I had to turn off the radio to focus on it. Yeah. And I've never had that. I've never got why people are like, can you turn down the radio so I can count? I'm like, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. You can't yeah. do a million things at once. <laughs> That's so what I used to do too. It, it's weird. Like yeah. I was like, oh shoot. Now I get what people are talking about. Is this what like normal feels like? Yeah. And I was telling Rico about it and he's like, yeah, I usually think about like, what I'm doing right now and maybe what I'm going to make for dinner and maybe like I don't know if I'm bored I'll think about what you're doing mm-hmm. and I'm like that's it weird but for me I'm thinking about a million things right now I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner tonight tomorrow night the next night what I'm going to do today what I did yesterday yeah uh, what my next big project's going to be when I'm going to see my friends you know what I mean like sure yeah I think that's a big part of anxiety is just your brain is a million places at once and because of that when scary thoughts come into your head, like fear or sadness, it kind of works the same way. So if I'm worried about something, my brain thinks of a million different things at once. It could possibly go wrong for it. So, um, yeah, anxiety is bad if you're a worrier. <laughs> yeah. Because it's worry times 10. So um, that's one way that I noticed the pills really affected me. And in a weird way, I kind of missed I don't want to say I missed my anxiety, but for those few weeks that I was like noticing, oh, I can only focus on one task and Mm -hmm. I feel so normal. Part of me hated it because I'd like have to actually focus on a conversation. Not that I don't. Yeah. Like I do focus on, but like it was very weird. I noticed I was like staring at someone when they talked to me, like looking in their eyes and like (laughs) staring at their face because I had to look at them when they talked. So it was strange. Yeah. Kind of changed how I talk to people and I don't like it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it made me, it was harder for me to have conversations. I got to listen to them talk and then take a second, think what I wanted to say and then say it mm-hmm. when normally I could do all that at once. So that was a very weird experience to miss the ability to do that. 
Yeah. Um, I only missed it a little bit. I would definitely, if I had the money right now and could see a therapist, I would definitely get back on those drugs. <laughs> even though I missed the ability to Just multitask. help you focus and all that stuff. Because honestly, I would trade all that just to feel okay all the time. Yeah. When you were um, uh, like in in like really hard grasp of the, your anxiety, did you try anything like uh, a, a, a more illicit kind of drug in order to help you out? Because um, like I'd tell you like alcohol like made me yeah. feel very numb and i loved it because it was like i felt like i could do more and i could yeah. go out and have a good time um pot made my heart feel like it was gonna explode really yeah That's and some so people strange. some people like find it so relaxing all the yeah. stuff you know <laughs> and um i would get like stuff from the what's it called medical card um, dispensary yeah from a dispensary mm-hmm. and you know try different things and other recommendations for just chilling and relaxing all that stuff but it just made me so hyper aware of my heart rate how weird yeah and that too like <laughs> it's not the catch-all there's no catch-all solution for anxiety <laughs> so i i prefer weed yeah i have in these last two years become a very heavy smoker i went from never having touched it in my life to smoking it pretty regularly um, and it really has helped me. I've noticed a difference. Um, hmm. I would like to get my medical card. I'm planning to to get more um, like medicinal stuff. Like they have CBD oil where it's literally it's not a psychoactive. It doesn't get you high. Yeah. It's like popping an Advil. You just pop mm-hmm. it in, go to work. You're fine. It calms your anxiety. Um, so I would like something like that. But right now I do just smoke normal weed. Um, I prefer sativa. That's the type of weed that gets you... It usually makes you more hyper and thinky. I'm guessing what you had probably was that because it does make you more hyper aware. I prefer it though because mm-hmm. it kind of helps me... I'm already overthinking. So it kind of just helps me organize things and kind of like relax in yeah. a very strange way. Most people prefer indica. That's the kind that gets you sleepy and you just want to lay on the couch and hang out. That's a good chill one. So if you have anxiety and you don't know where else to go and you're kind of desperate... Look mm-hmm. for indica. That's a great thing to start with, at least for me. Um, I did do alcohol for a while. And I, I still drink, like, casually. Like, I'll have a single margarita. But um, right when I started college, around 18 or 19, I started heavy drinking. And mm-hmm. it was nice because I didn't feel anxious. It's hard to feel anything when you're blackout drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I went through life for a while. And it felt really shitty. Um, I didn't like the side effects. I didn't like waking up feeling god awful. Yeah. Um, I didn't but like. But did you have to like drink to that point? Because even now, when I'm mm. super anxious, every now and then I'll have a beer and I'll feel a lot better. It's calming down. Yes. Alcohol doesn't do anything for me until I'm very drunk, okay. and then I'm yeah. like, okay, now I notice it's I'm feeling something. Until then, it just tastes like gross. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't calm me. It just kind of I. I don't really enjoy it, but I would I would drink to blackout when I was younger, mm-hmm. and it felt really shitty. And I got myself into trouble a few times. Um, trouble tried to get into me a few times. Like it was just not a good but solution were you fun for me. Blackout drunk? Huh? Were you fun blackout drunk? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, man, I was the best black because I I blackout very easily. <laughs> and um, man, I'm so fun when I do it. Like really, I've I'm, never yeah. seen you like that. 
You, it depends on no, who I'm with. If no, I'm with fun people, I'm fun. You weren't at fun. Leonard's party. Uh, not uh, not Leonard's party, sorry. During Leonard's first play, Voltaire. No, I was... Were you there? That's where we first met. I lied. I was black and drunk as <laughs> Me well. too. Now oh, I remember. It's so fun. I just want to dance. I do too. <laughs> I was trying to dance that night, actually. I was like, I just want a boogie. Right. And ended up falling and somebody's like, you need to sit down. And I, I just didn't get to dance. So that was a bummer. Yeah. No, that turned into a very creepy night. Creepy? Uh, yeah. Oh. Some, that was the night I told you some guy was like, you need to drink water. And then he gave me vodka. Oh, what a prick. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, can I have water? And he's like, yeah, sure. And then he handed me tequila. So that oh, was... Oh, God. What a creep. Yeah. And then he was like, you should go lay down over here with me. And I was like, no, no. I don't need yeah. a nap. So... Yeah. Super yeah. predator right there. It was there. very... Yeah. It was so creepy. I felt like an alien and he was predator. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was not fun. That's not but cool. But that was the first night I tried weed, too. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, that was the first night I tried weed, and I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. And then ever since that, <laughs> no, that's not true. Ever since Rigo and I got married, I smoke a lot of weed. But it's calming. I've noticed it's helped with my appetite. So when we first got married, I weighed about what I weigh now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got married, and we started smoking, and I think I was just a lot happier and a lot comfier, and I was in a really good place, so I ate a lot, and I put on, like, good 40 45 pounds oh wow yeah no i put on a lot of weight if you look at my pictures you can kind of see and none of my clothes fit mm-hmm. um but i was happy so it was nice but then i kind of fell into a de- depressive rut around july of last year actually okay um and i lost all of this weight recently but, okay um, but yeah when i first got married and started smoking weed i definitely ate more and i realized before that that i wasn't eating enough so I've struggled with eating issues a lot, um, but weed has helped with my eating issues. It made me remember to eat and want to eat and enjoy eating and Good, not feel yeah. guilty about it. Um, actually, at one point, like that's all I wanted to do is <clears throat> smoke and eat. I was so happy. It was great. <laughs> I was so happy. And I would go back to being fat if it meant that again. <laughs> um, it made me sleep better. I have really bad insomnia. I used to have horrific nightmares as a child. No clue why. Like, <laughs> nobody knows why. Yeah. It's not like I had any weird trauma. I just have weird, horrific nightmares as a child. Um, but smoking weed has helped me sleep better, eat better, um, relax. So I definitely believe in it, and I would keep using it. Sure. Not an endorsement, but, kids. I not think an endorsement. I should probably say that. You should talk, probably talk to a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I talked to... Uh, my doctor was super cool, and she was just like... I, I'm trying to... I, I was stupid. Right, because I didn't think about the pharmaceutical industry as being evil, oh, which yeah. I do now. And so I was like, so, man. So evil. Yeah. And to my doctor, like, I need some help. Can you put me on something? She already had me on lorazepam, mm-hmm. which is pretty nice. Uh, not an endorsement, kids, again. Um, but she was the one who's like, have you tried marijuana? You know, my doctor. How surprising. Yeah. Doctors tend to not recommend it. They always yeah. love to throw drugs at you. So they get paid by the drug companies. Exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I noticed that, that they're always repping the little pen that happens to be what they're prescribing you. Yeah, exactly. So, no, that's so awesome that she said that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, there and is merit to it for sure. Like, I do think there's definitely truth in it and there's mm-hmm. science behind it to back it up. But it's yeah. not for everyone. Just like citralopram's not for everyone. Yeah. And all those. So. Like me, weed is not for me. That's nope. fair. <laughs> I've tried many kinds. 
even when I was a kid, I smoked constantly when I was like 16, 17, really? 18. Really? Yeah. And um, uh, every time. How Super strange. anxious. Yeah. I mean, huh. I laughed a lot, but I was very <laughs> constantly aware of like heart palpitations and huh. stuff like that. That could just be, you know, your reaction to it. Yeah. That happens. I've heard of people actually being allergic to weed. Yeah. Like yeah. They have physical. And their face is like bad. Yeah. I had a girlfriend that would get hives constantly what? you know if she was around it yeah oh my god yeah so it's definitely a thing and it's not a catch-all solution but as a kid i grew up being taught <clears throat> it was the devil's lettuce so <laughs> yeah so like if i were to tell my family i have a medical card because i have a mental condition and weed helps me they would roll their eyes oh yeah from here to thanksgiving like just non-stop so i so definitely supportive yeah know, oh yeah yeah let's not get into that <laughs> um, they didn't even see my play yeah, I was going to ask if they came. Nope. No. That's because you had LGBT kind of things in it? Or? I don't know. They said they had church that night. And oh. They okay. couldn't miss it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They're they had they're the night church people. Yeah, The whatever. weekend night church people. The weekend people. Saturday night church. I get if it was a Wednesday night. Huh? I get if it was a Wednesday night and they're right? like, we got to go to church. But it was a Saturday. They had the same service Sunday. <laughs> Good thing they don't listen to anything I produce or oh, I feel good. really bad saying this. <laughs> I used to actually censor myself a lot until recently Yeah. when I realized they don't pay attention to anything I do, so I can say whatever I want. It doesn't matter. Oh, good. Yeah, I used to censor myself a lot and it felt really shitty. <laughs> I don't like to do that. Good. I don't like you doing that either. <laughs> uh, so I think what we can surmise from the whole podcast we just did, if we bring it back to psychopathy, is that um, I think there's... A stigma going around that you just don't feel anything when you're a psychopath and that's very much not true uh yeah emotions i mean <laughs> yeah but anxiety is not an emotion anxiety is like a state of physical being in your brain it, it, it's i, feel uh, like I mean it's a it device could be, that ramps up emotion yeah it could be spurred on by emotion yeah. or yeah um i feel like anxiety is like the what's the word it's like salt. So your food already tastes good, but then when you put salt on it, it just amplifies what you already have. Yeah. So anxiety does that put out to all the negative emotions. It's like the salt of all your bad emotions. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. That's what it the feels salt like. of all your bad emotions. Um, but I think that's kind of busted when we talk about psychopaths. Yeah. Um, Tell me more about that. So. I find you very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, Let's just get this one out of the way. There was a study. Uh, the University of Maastricht in the Netherlands did this study with over 500 students who had psychopathic tendencies. And they did this huge study. And basically, you can kind of break up psychopaths, like you were saying, fight or flight mm -hmm. earlier, into two categories when you talk about anxiety. And you have uh, what they found, the fearless dominance ones which are just like not phased by anything and those are like typically the full-fledged hardcore like uh i'm gonna kill 19 people yeah. and you know that's what everyone thinks yeah. when they hear psychopath exactly like ted bundy <laughs> i get it's, that so yeah. often i honestly that's the first thing that pops into my mind yeah and it's just a horrible society <laughs> stigma but also the first thing that pops into your mind when you hear anxiety it just does. Is yeah someone crying in a bathtub like 
Yeah, right. Instead of just somebody you know who lives down the hallway from you. Exactly. Or so. just everyone. Everyone. And it's hard to break that stigma. Even Angie sometimes just, uh, she'll throw it around all the time. Like, oh, look at that guy. He's a psychopath. I'm like, no, he's not. You know. That. Yeah, you got to break is, this. Yeah. Uh, but that is definitely <laughs> a big thing is everybody. Oh, you're acting weird. You're a psychopath. <laughs> exactly. It's so strange. Uh, but the study after they found the fearless dominance group of these psychopathic, uh, you know, whatever students they were, mm-hmm. um, they also broke them into another category, uh, which was the impulsive antisociality category, which is big with like narcissism and impulsivity and things like that, uh, which they are very much um, flight. So they oh. are... Uh, prone to high levels of anxiety as well. Oh, okay. So that's where we get that too. And then we find out that um, there's been some other research su- to suggest that it happens to a ton of psychopaths around that time when uh, you would say you typically develop, um, not develop, but like solidify your, uh, you know, if you had some sort of other disorder like schizophrenia or something like that, typically around the ages of like, early 20s 25 okay that's where a lot of mental things seem to come out yeah absolutely and that's kind of where this dam breaks where all of this anxiety gets kind of flooding the body mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people who have psychopathic tendencies tend to develop this anxiety disorder at that point at least for a little while mm-hmm. so it's all kind of fascinating when we're that discovering is. all that nonsense <laughs> <laughs> So I guess this would be on your other podcast, but like, <clears throat> I, I, I hate this word so much, but empathic, like these people who can feel emotions, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, no such thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but apparently, I don't know what that, sensitive, I guess. What's a better word for that? Um, theory so, of mind. Theory of mind. That's a yeah. tongue twister. I know, right? <laughs> Uh, so theory of mind, a uh, good way to think of it is like you you can see it in like some dogs, you know, and a dog, this is all in my blog post in citycollegefilms.com, everybody, if you want to look at it. <laughs> um, but if a dog was to walk by a, win- uh, a mirror, right, some dogs immediately see that it's themselves. Yeah. And some dogs <sighs> start barking at it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, this is another dog. Like, so the dogs either have theory of mind or they don't. You, you can see this and you can see it in like birds, dolphins, things like you that. You see it in infants. It's called the mirror phase. Oh, yeah. When they're diff- sorry. It's a whole, <laughs> it's a psychological thing, but the mirror yeah. is a big part of psychology. It's yeah. so we're like when babies are forming their sense of self, mm-hmm. like part of that is when they see themselves in a mirror for the first time and they think, oh, fuck, <laughs> this is me. And it's like a baby existential crisis. That's awesome. They, yeah. don't, they don't know how to describe it. They don't know what the baby's feeling, but like <laughs> they can see it in the like, brain what? activity. The baby's just like, Exploding. this is me. Yeah. Exactly. So there is definitely something to like mirrors and psychology and recognizing mm-hmm. the self. Yeah. I didn't I could not I didn't know what it's called that. Yeah, but the theory, of, the mind. theory okay. of mind is great because you have this high grasp of theory of mind, uh, and you can see it in like psychics, supposed psychics yeah. and stuff like that. Um, it's just anticipating what someone else like that I'm my own person and I see you and I know that you're your own person, right? And I 
I can get into your brain and anticipate the way you'd react to something depending on what, you know, other outside influences do. Yeah. No, but I do think there is, there are more sensitive people and less sensitive people. Mm-hmm. Living with Rigo for so long has made me realize. He's a I'm, sensitive guy. No. No? Uh, no. He looks like a big teddy bear. Yeah, he is a big teddy bear, <laughs> but that doesn't mean he's sensitive. Oh, no. So sometimes he and I, we've talked about it and we've wondered if maybe he's a psychopath. <laughs> Yeah. Did Just you make him take the test? There's a lot of tests. We didn't find a better <laughs> test. We took one of the BuzzFeed tests. Oh, yeah? No, but just like he and I butt heads a lot. And a lot of it is, again, like I mentioned, um, he's not used to having somebody with anxiety. Yeah. And I do have a lot of feelings, <laughs> um, but I am very sensitive to other people's feelings. So if a coworker comes into work having a bad day, I feel like I'm having a bad day, even though I'm feeling great, and it sucks. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> and so, and I try really hard to remind myself, oh, she's having a bad day. I'm fine. Like yeah, that's you're her just business. Feeling what she's feeling there. It's it's really stupid, and <laughs> it definitely yeah, makes life it, harder. It just happens, you know. Sometimes you just get those feelings, and people can infect your own attitude on something, and uh, it's hard for me to do that. Like. Unless I really know the person, like, and that's most people. Most people mm-hmm. are like like that. Like that seems normal, but like even customers, yeah. when customers come in kind of like bugged, I'm like, oh no, they're having, <laughs> a, and like I feel really on edge until I make them calm or like they leave the store. One of those things has oh, to yeah? happen before I'm like okay. That hardly ever gets to me when someone has a shitty attitude when they come in. I'm like, well, that sucks for you, buddy. But yeah, uh, yeah. like if they're an asshole. But, like, if I can tell that they're a little upset, like, it just makes me uneasy, and it's really weird. Yeah. And I do it even with, like, people I don't know well. Mm-hmm. Like, if one of my actors came in feeling bad, I would feel, like, horrible until they felt better. It's a very frustrating way to live. Yeah, and so I can it, see it is. That. It's something that I've worked really hard on to, to remind myself that other people's emotions aren't my job. Mm-hmm. It's not my burden, and it's <laughs> adding to my anxiety. So, it's been very hard to separate that from myself <laughs> yeah well that's yeah. good though yeah um i mean it shows your you know that it gives me you know, a good <laughs> understanding of how i'm gonna rate you here <laughs> um did you send me the, your results i can't seem to find them i love it oh for that thing i yeah. took it so long ago oh did you i did i thought i sent it to you let me see oh man i gotta look well if you're a new uh... listener you probably <laughs> might not know, but she took the um, Levinson Self-Report Psychology... Psychology. <laughs> I'm dumb doing it now. <laughs> Levinson Self-Report Psychopathy Test. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, of course, if you're a new listener, you know not... You know. No, that's not right. If you're an old listener, you know. Take this with a grain of salt. And, Lexi, you too, because... Uh, I'm sure that you noticed that this test skewed more towards deviance than anything else. Yeah, I was like, is this another thing to add to my list? What <laughs> yeah. is going on? So I don't know what the results were. Uh, I am going to see in just a second. <laughs> Sorry, it's a screenshot. Right? Oh, no, you're fine. Screenshots are good. Okay. Uh, so this is uh, a test that you take. Um, you rate these questions between one and five, five being the most psychopathic or, you know, five being your your highest belief and then one being your lowest like uh is it wrong to steal you say five i strongly believe that it is wrong to steal or all that shit and then it adds up your points and it grades you on a scale between one and five again 
<laughs> so I'm going to just based on our conversation guess before I do this. Oh. Uh, there's a primary and a secondary psychopathic traits in this one. Um, primary, I believe, is the uh, more empathetic ones, and secondary are like your tendencies towards deviance. Uh, hmm. Which, you know, a low score in the primary one would be more empathetic, high score less empathetic. Uh, in the primary... Okay, I get it. <laughs> I was like, I don't... I got it. <laughs> Do you remember your scores? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, is it not on there? No, it's probably on there. Okay. I'm going to find out. Um, but in the primary one, just from talking to you and knowing you for like three years, uh, I would say... Four years. Four years? Oh, wow. I was thinking about party. That was in 2014. It, it was a while. Yeah. That's so weird. I forgot <laughs> that was you. Um, okay. Fun, fun um, memories. <laughs> good times. I like. What were it. you saying? I'm sorry. I don't remember. Uh, so in the primary category, I want to say that you are going to rank a bit lower than mid-range. I'm going to say like a 2.2 on that one. You're pretty empathetic, but I don't think you're like overly. Um, oh, it turned off. Oh. What is this magic? <laughs> it's on the back. Weird. <laughs> oh, that is weird. On your secondary one, which is your tendency to break the rules, you know, lie, do all that kind of stuff, uh, your deviant traits. I would say, um, well, ten, people from our generation tend to have different ideas from when this was made. Right? Yeah. So I think that you scored pretty high on that one. I'm going to say you're going to be like a three. Pretty high. <laughs> well, that's exactly that, that mid-range, is isn't yeah. it? Uh, so let's see your scores. I feel like the one to five scale. One to right? ten is so much more conclusive. <laughs> uh, for your primary psychopathy tra psychopathy traits, um, it is actually a little lower than I thought. It's a one point four. Oh wow! So you just beat Greg on the lowest of that. So you're probably the most empathetic person according to oh. this test that we've had on so far in five <laughs> episodes. Um, so your secondary psychopathy traits for your deviance, uh, 2.5, a little lower than I would have thought, but, uh, you know, you, you don't want to go to jail. You got stuff to do, so <laughs> I, I can understand. <laughs> right. And people sent, tend to score a lot lower when, you know, they have, uh, religious moral beliefs mm. to adhere to things like that. So, um, I think we're a little bit more free. True. So we tend to score a little higher on those. I scored over four for both of them. I think like 4.1. What is the like first. normal quote unquote score for that? Uh, Well, the normalized one, I mean, if you just cut it in half, it's actually on there. There's a, oh. a histogram there that'll show it uh, how many people scored like that. And it'll actually show you how you scored compared to everyone else that has taken that test so far as well, which is kind of nice. It says mine was 16% higher than everybody else who took the test. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, your score for secondary psychopathy was higher than 49% of the people who <laughs> took this test. Okay. What does that mean? So I think that means a lot of people lie. <laughs> and <laughs> they think they're better than they really are. Exactly. So once again, liars. we got to take this with a grain of salt. If you yeah. ever give Rigo this test, that yeah. too. Um, it skews more towards deviance, and that is not the way to go about testing for psychopathy. And I think a lot of the deviant questions are like morally gray area questions yeah. that aren't really fair. 
mm-hmm. to ask in like such a brief amount of time. Yeah. So I do have issues with a lot of the um, psych tools they have now to evaluate people. Yeah. Like exactly. some of the anxiety things are like so stupid. <laughs> like, of course, I'm going to be anxious if I'm hungry. Like, that was one of the questions. It was like, do you get very anxious when you're feeling hungry? It's like, no shit. Yeah, doesn't everyone? Do, yeah, yeah, I'm not like, everybody Have a is Cookie Monster. Yeah. Like, we all get hungry. So if I, we didn't, that Snickers commercial wouldn't make sense, right? right? It would make no sense. So yeah. I do think maybe all of us just have issues that we don't talk about. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. I think you're right. I think that's really what it is. <laughs> So, uh, well, we talked about very briefly before you're also a performer. How do you use that anxiety to your advantage? Um, so I actually, we just wrapped up a show together. Um, we did two for the Cole Avenue theater and that was stressful because that was my first real directorial debut. So I was anxious and stressed a lot. (laughs) Um, it was also the first time a piece of writing of mine was like such a long piece of mine was going up. I've only ever had very short brief pieces of my writing like consumed so it was weird to like have such a long show that was mine so it was very exciting um but it was very anxiety inducing so i was terrified for the first few weeks like when we were working on it i was thinking oh my god no one's gonna like this (laughs) all the normal things a performer thinks times 10 Mm -hmm. um but it was also kind of nice because i was going through a lot of personal stuff a lot of issues in my own life um, so I took a lot of the anxiety that I was feeling towards that and kind of laser focused it on the show. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, if I was feeling really stressed and shitty about money or like family yeah. stuff or like personal stuff, I would turn it around and say, oh my God, I really need to paint this set now. And all of my worry and anxiety, I would force it onto that. So once I painted that, it felt like a big release and I still had all those problems and I still felt anxious, but it was kind of like channeling it. Yeah. into something productive so all this squirrely energy was going into making something <laughs> that i was proud of so by the time i got home most nights i was exhausted yeah like, i was so tired i just you know smoke a bowl and go to bed like, <laughs> or shower and go to bed so um it was nice to the extent that it kept my brain busy yeah and um really so i mentioned last year i was going through a kind of kind of a lot of stuff and i was in a kind of like deep depressive place i also have depression that's something that's a different thing um Mm -hmm. i don't think i have depression though i was reading that a lot of people who are diagnosed with very mild depression actually have something called where is it dysthymia what long story short basically stands for depression junior that's what it sounded like that's adorable right it it, it described a lot of what juvenile diabetes it just sounds cute it's cute it's a cute (laughs) little but it's basically what I was describing was like when you're sometimes depressed. No, not sometimes. When you're very mildly depressed to the point where you can function, but you're not like feeling great. Like mm-hmm. you'll go through your daily life, but fuck, it just feels shitty and you feel kind of numb. So that's that's what that is. And I feel like that's a better description when my doctor was like, oh, you have so mild of depression that it's not worth putting you on drugs for. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, okay, I'll just deal with it then. So yeah. it's kind of, I'm going to actually set up an appointment and see somebody in these next few weeks. So talk to me again in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did want to mention that because I think that knowing that makes a lot more sense. Everything that I've read and tried to find help for with depression was like these insane extremes. It didn't really 
fit me. So it's kind of like, okay, I'll just kind of stick to anxiety because yeah. that diagnosis makes sense and I know how to handle all those things. But um, my depression has never really been touched on. It's kind of just been buried in the back and it's always kind of been like tied along with anxiety. It's kind of like anxiety's little brother for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I was going through my depressive rut last year, I joined the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was a way for me to just have something to do just to keep myself busy and active so honestly like that's good if you're just in a rut do something anything just anything to keep your brain from watching netflix and saying oh i should kill myself like (laughs) i'm not even joking like it that's yeah (laughs) so i think performance has helped a lot in that sense that i i had a commitment Um, and i take that very seriously i take commitments that i make to projects very seriously i know it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like it because i flake a lot um but know that i do feel bad when i flake and i probably am flaking because i have social anxiety and i've come up with a bullshit excuse to not go to it because i'm panicking Mm -hmm. so that's the only reason that i truly ever flake on a commitment when it comes to theater but i've been doing theater since 2010 um, in high school that's where i met leonard and alma and we were all doing theater together making stuff but it really was just a nice place um you've met theater people you know they're a different breed yeah (laughs) they're very loud and outgoing and it's a perfect place to go if you have a lot of feelings (laughs) theater is a great place to go if you have too many feelings or if you don't i love theater yeah exactly it's a great Mm -hmm. place to go to be around people and all that so um but it was a great place for me to go and not feel like i was being overly sensitive or overly dramatic or anything like that so it was nice for me in that sense, but it was also just a way for me to channel all the squirrely energy in a positive way and mm-hmm. have people around me who a lot of our friends are very anxious. I don't know if you noticed yeah, that. No. Is that like a theater thing or just like an artist thing? All my artist friends are very yeah. depressed, anxious people. I think it might be an artist thing. I think it is. I yeah. think when you create things, it's because you're doing it to fill a void. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's why I act. Yeah. It's to fill a void because we truly know that there's nothing at the end of the tunnel. Anyway. (laughs) Just darkness. Yeah. Now you've had a deeper look into my inner workings. That's hilarious. That's why I make art. Yeah. To fill a deep, deep void. No, not really. I really love it. And I really love producing things. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like find something positive, even if it's theater or art or walking in the forest just anything yeah anything besides exactly. sitting at home and watching netflix theater's good because there i i think that's just a good way to transform that energy that yeah. anxious energy i've never known anyone who was terrified of going on stage who didn't go on stage and turn that into a, a great exactly. performance you know and i think i highly encourage anybody who has anxiety to take a few improv classes yeah because like we were talking about earlier i can feel like shit and have an anxiety attack wipe my face off clock into work and be fine and honestly sometimes just getting into the swing of work kind of helps me work through my anxiety attack it forces me to um but i think theater has helped with that theater's really helped me learn time to put on a new mask Wait, and so you if you're do. having a panic attack next time i should just be like you're not having a panic attack and you just yes and that exactly and so i just yes and and cured. we improvise <laughs> the next scene no but like like improv for example you have to think on your feet and come up with solutions that other players give you problems to and you can't say no and you can't quit you're Mm -hmm. already in the scene you're stuck it sucks you come up with something on your feet you need to be creative you need to keep the scene moving 
And I kind of feel like that's a good approach to life, at least for me personally, where I am right now. Things aren't going well or as planned, but they're going fine. Mm -hmm. And all I can really do is just yes and and figure it out and keep moving to the next scene. So um, I, I do like theater for that. It keeps you on your feet and if you're somebody like me who has a million things on your mind i bet you'll be great at improv because you'll think of 10 different punchlines at once nice <laughs> so yeah it's it's a great way to channel squirrely energy same thing with art i have an artist friend she actually runs a blog that i wanted to plug yeah go um, ahead it's called living like the lotus um look living it up like living the like the lotus um she got that from like very zen buddha ideology this idea that the lotus comes up through the muck and blossoms beautiful through all this nasty water so yeah. like, be like the lotus but yeah um <laughs> she does a lot of beautiful artwork and does a lot of really cool things to channel a lot of her anxiety and she has great self-help tips and date great like what is anxiety so check out living like the lotus if you're new to this and you want to know where to go and you need resources. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, she's a she's been a very encouraging person in my life lately. So it's been nice. Surround Good. yourself with encouraging people too, is what I've learned. Absolutely. I've stopped hanging out with friends who told me that I have too many feelings. And I've stopped expecting my family to validate me. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for that in other places. Um, but yeah, a lot of this work has been me. It's been all my friends helping me, but it's been me deciding that I needed to do it. And yeah. it's really... And hard work, too. It's yeah, hard. got to push through. It's so exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's something people underestimate. It's, it's exhausting having anxiety attacks and agoraphobia. Mm. and. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so tiring to just be in your brain all the time, panicking. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that adrenaline gland is always pumping because you're always in fight or flight mode. So imagine having 10 cups of coffee in a day. How tired would you be after that? It's exhausting. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. I think we're cutting low <laughs> on time here. So I'm going to have to thank you very much for yeah. coming. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. I talked <laughs> so, about a lot of good stuff. Good talk. Check out yeah. Living Like the Lotus. Yes. Living Like the Lotus. I'll put it in cool. the liner notes. Please do. Yeah, it's just a good send, blog. Me the, send me the blog or I something. Will. <laughs> cool. Cool. Thank you very much, Lexi. Thank you, Stephen. Have a good night. You too.